Welcome to the Guide Sessions, a podcast where we talk about stories of adventure as told by the guides who experienced them. I'm your host, Jim Aiken. Welcome to the show. Welcome, everyone. Thanks for joining me. I'm your host, Jim Aiken. Thank you so much for being here. I really appreciate your support. If you like what you hear, feel free to rate and subscribe. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to talk a little bit about tags and applications. Most states' applications uh, have already kind of opened and closed. Uh, However, if you happen to not draw a tag, there's still options out there. Okay, You can contact me at the Guide Sessions Consultant. You can come through the website, theguidesessions.com, or you can look me right up on Instagram at the Guide Sessions. Uh, shoot me a message, be like, hey, I'm looking to do a hunt somewhere, and I'll help you figure it out. I've got some outfitters that I'm working with in different states, even Africa, even some up in Canada. So I'm pretty sure I can find you a place to hunt, uh, even with overcounted elk, you know, a, a cow tag. I can get you hooked up with an outfitter if you want to go get some elk meat. All right. There's opportunities out there if you don't if you don't get a tag. Go get experience. Go get reps. If you've never hunted elk, there's nothing wrong with hunting a cow because you're in the elk woods. So that actually when you finally get that opportunity to draw that bull tag of wherever you're drawing or wherever you're applying, you're going to have experience and reps in the elk woods. You're going to see how they act. You're going to see how they move. You're going to be in that environment that they're in. So you're going to learn how to prepare yourself for that moment that maybe perhaps a once in a lifetime tag that you've been waiting 15, 20 years for. So if you've never been on a trip or something like that, there's opportunities there. So reach out, contact me. I'd love to help you out. Hey guys, as you're probably aware, most of my life evolves around the outdoors, whether it be guiding hunts or filming content or just hunting and fishing for myself. For a while now, I have actually struggled with my weight. I was hauling around about 40 plus pounds that I didn't need, and it was really starting to become a burden to me physically, both in the woods as well in the gym. If you have been following me on social media, you will have noticed that I have actually found a nutrition program that has not only perfectly fit my hectic schedule of not only my daily job, but all the work I do outside of that in the hunting industry. It also has got me healthy, got that weight off, and it did it really quickly. I'm really excited about it and would love to share more information with you, but I don't want to delay this podcast any further. So if you'd like to learn more, shoot me a message or an email. What's up, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to this episode. Holy cow, it is September, September 4th. Happy Labor Day, which means there's some kind of hunting has started in most states or at least will be starting soon somewhere near you. Um, I've actually recorded this ahead of time. I'm actually on my way to South Africa to go chase who knows what. Well, actually, I kind of have an idea, but I'm not going to spoil it. But anyway, um, I'm heading over there with one of my best friends. Neither of us have been there, and I've never even left the country. I don't think he's left the country either. But uh, we're totally stoked for this experience that we're going to be going on. I can't wait to get back and tell everybody about the trip. Um, As far as kind of a quick update, the girls and I did take our trip to the beach and yes we did get superman ice cream (laughs) and it was lovely again if you haven't tried superman ice cream it's like one of a kind flavor can't get it everywhere certain spots you can i know it's real big in michigan but um but yeah we also got to meet up with one of my former guide clients from when i was guiding elk in new mexico which is great got to catch up with them but it's just like we say on the podcast you can spend like a week in the backcountry with perfect strangers And then by the time you say goodbye, you've got like a friend for life. So it's just amazing how relationships get built and totally grateful for every relationship that I've had with all my clients and keep in touch with most of them and can't wait to see them when our paths cross again because it's always a good catch up. It's almost like things never left and you always get to hear their new hunting stories and all their things they've got going on, which is great. But um, anyway, if you are heading out to chase anything yourself, I wish you luck and make sure you be safe so as for today's show in this episode we are heading to the west coast so far west we are in california we haven't been there in a while and we're talking to joseph 
Souza. Joseph grew up hunting with his family and now guides year-round, which means he lives the guide life every day of his life. So Joseph puts his knowledge and experience to work, getting his clients the experience that they want. In this episode, we discuss habitat, hunting blacktails, the importance of following your guide, guiding hunters with a wide variety of experience levels because he gets them all out there, pig hunting, and gear. We've got all this and much more. This is a great conversation. It's Joseph Souza talking with me on the Guide Sessions podcast. All right, we are live, and today on the show, we've got Joseph Souza, who mainly guides way over on the opposite side of the states from me, way out there in California. Joseph, welcome to the show, man. Hey, man, how are you doing? Not too bad. So what's it like out there in California, like right now? Like we're we're recording this here just well, right before the 4th of July holiday, but uh, so you probably got some big party stuff coming up over there. Yeah, you know, the weather's great right now. It's uh, 75 and sunny. Yesterday was 107, so that was nice. Good pool day, but, you know, uh, heat's coming on now that it's July. Yeah, I mean, it's so now that it's July, you're coming off turkey season. When did turkey season end for you guys? Archery turkey season ends the second weekend of May. Uh, Okay, so how'd your turkey season go? Really good. It was a little weird this year because of uh, the vast amount of rain that we had it seemed like everything was kind of pushed back the birds weren't gobbling and they're strutting until later on in the season so it was a little abnormal but it was still pretty good and there's feed everywhere so the hat should be really good this year cool yeah i mean that's that's the big thing that a lot of people struggle with weather wise is the hatch i mean we right here in in pennsylvania our weather was decent we didn't get too much rain because a lot of times it seems like if we have a heavy really wet spring that really hurts the breeding and, and hurts, you know, and hurts the baby, <laughs> the poults, I guess is yeah. what we call them. But, yep. uh, but that's good. I mean, I've been hearing like ups and downs about, I know like Kansas, I don't know if you've heard about Kansas. I guess Kansas numbers are really down. Yeah. I've kind of been hearing that kind of all over. Everything's kind of trending down mm-hmm. across the country right now. seems like. But yeah, well, well, I mean, they, they're not going away. They got a, there's scientists out there better than you and I that can figure it out and how they're going to bring back the population. Yeah, no, it seems like we have plenty of birds here and they're only kind of growing. So I've seen them in new places all the time and they look like they're doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, here we are. We just dove right into hunting without even thinking about it. But uh, before you get too far down here, can you uh, kind of tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got started guiding? Yeah, man. So I, uh, I'm, I'm 24 now. I just I've uh, been doing this for three years. I, I grew up on a ranch, and there was hunting on that ranch, and my dad kind of hunted, and you know I kind of got involved with the, the outfitter on that ranch at a young age, and kind of got a good look at it. And he hunted pigs and deer on that place, and I kind of fell in love with it. And then I I you know went through school and everything, and eventually I decided you know I wanted to dive back into hunting. And so about 21, I got my guide's license and called every outfitter I could and ended up getting a couple phone calls back and going on some hunts and now it's my life. That's cool. What did you go to school for? Um, I, I just went uh, just through high school. You're oh. dead at that point. <laughs> just, okay. just graduated in high school. Um, I, I originally went to uh, a junior college to go play baseball and my life was baseball and that didn't work out. Um, so then I, you know, always hunted as a kid but not too much like i do now every day um but once baseball was out of my life i kind of fell back into hunting as a passion and really got into it again nice so so you are you guiding year-round there yes we got year-round here we can uh we can hunt pigs 365 we have a turkey season a very early archery deer season that starts in july and a rifle season that uh, runs into the third weekend of september Wow, so like if if your archery's July, which is like right now, yep. Um, when's your rut out there then? So it depends on where you're at. Uh, on the coast, typically, the second weekend of September, the to the end of September, it starts getting pretty good. 
more inland on some of the places that I hunt. It'll be a little later, more into October, and you might miss it. You might get some pre-rut during general rifle season, but most of the time uh, you don't get to see the whole rut during the season. They'll be running in October. Huh. That's kind of, I don't know, in a way it sucks a little bit because I know most time when I've hunted deer, it's always during, your best time to hunt them is during the rut. Right, exactly, yeah. I mean, uh, the first week's definitely really good, and then we're we're blessed that, you know, we hunt a mostly private ranches so we uh we monitor them and manage them really well all right so are you guys the, the deer are they hard horned right now or are they velvet so that they, they're in velvet until about the end of july early august and then they'll uh they'll transition into being hard horned okay all right so archery is more of a velvet kind of hunt yes yeah it's very rare to kill a buck hard horned during archery season huh, interesting i didn't know that learning so much stuff <laughs> Yeah, I would I would have never guessed. I know like, you know, Arizona's got a late rut. You know, they're in January, but I never right. I didn't know California was so early with their season in July. Do you know why that is? Um, I I honestly couldn't tell you. I feel like sometimes you uh, you see a picture of a deer, and sometimes it looks looks like it's not even done growing. You know, I don't know. It uh, it does seem a bit early. It's always hot, so that doesn't help. I I don't think I've seen a. Uh, deer season opener under 100 degrees in the past five six years yeah that's because uh, bring thing about heat that's one of the things i first was thinking about like as soon as you said that yeah you're going to be hunting in july is like once you shoot something you got to find that thing in a hurry or it's going to spoil yeah you got to be quick for sure wow gotta put a good shot and everything and know what you're doing now the tags out there is that stuff over the counter or is it draw so so where we hunt it is uh it's called a zone and it's pretty much everything west of the 101 from uh, ventura area to northern california and that is all over the counter and you can get two tags for that unit and kill two bucks so do you guys being private ranches do you guys kind of manage stuff for more trophy quality or is it kind of like being so hot you're like man let's just shoot the first thing we see <laughs> no i mean it, it, it depends every ranch is different um some ranches have more gear than others but um everything we do manage wise is we're trying to promote good genetics bigger bucks bigger frame bucks mm-hmm. um just making sure everything has water and everything can be healthy so we're always pushing the uh the agenda for the deer in the right direction yeah, so as far as water, I mean, do you guys do a lot of, like, water tanks and filling up water kind of stuff? Yeah, so yes and no. Uh, it depends. Typically, uh, you know, springs don't dry up. But I just mean in terms of, like, cattle troughs and stuff like that, we want to make sure everything's always in working order because the deer and the wildlife rely on those heavily. Every ranch that we hunt has cattle on it, so there's already water systems in place, which is great. We just try and monitor everything to make sure that, just like the cattle are happy, the deer are happy, there's water everywhere, and that they have a place where they can get a drink. There's a lot of springs. There's a lot of natural water, stuff like that, on a lot of the ranches. So typically it's not a big deal, but we did go through a drought a couple of years ago and definitely saw the saw the deer herd respond to that, definitely declined in numbers. I was going to say, how, how, did it, how did it respond? Basically, they just started dying off. They just just dehydrated. Basically. Yeah, just un- just unhealthy deer and just deer numbers going down. You know, when the when the deer get weaker, you know everything else. In terms of predators, gets uh, gets a little bit easier hunting for those guys. You know, so they're you know deer are easier to be picked off and stuff like that when they're unhealthy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they don't want to move around. They they're, they're just... no. Yeah, but as far as um. What's the habitat out there like? Yeah, so a lot of brush, a lot of a lot of oak trees, kind of you know rolling hills, big steep canyons full of brush. Uh, so it it varies uh, vastly depending on where you're at. I mean, we we go from sea level up to four thousand feet in certain places. So it, it I've seen it snow this past winter, and I I've hunted in one hundred and seven already. So it's very very uh, very diverse. I would say. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that's pretty crazy. I mean, what, so what do they eat? What's like what's like their main, like what's their main crop? 
So the deer browse in the grass typically all year. And then uh, once the grass starts to, to die off and there's nutrients, they'll, uh, they'll browse up trees. So they'll eat the oak leaves. And then when the, uh, when the oak trees drop acorns, then that's their main source of nutrition. So they'll be on that for a while. And that's about when the rut starts. Mm-hmm. Seems like, seems like the acorns drop and the, the rut starts to heat up. That's pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's like acorns, even back, back here in Pennsylvania, acorn crops. And, you know, if you're not in a big ag area and you're big woods, you're, it's kind of like what we have is just you're looking for that mass, that acorn mass right. crop. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, good feed is good for everything else for the deer. So, that's where they're going to be. Yeah. With, uh, so what's your approach and like kind of what's your technique with that? I mean, you're doing a lot of spot and stalk. I mean, tree stands. I mean, it's tough to like hike around in 100, 101, 107 degree weather. Yeah. So these, these deer don't pattern really well. Um, I don't, I don't think I've seen them pattern at all other than <laughs> they, they will water occasionally. So if you wanted to set up, in a blind or sit on water that that is a thing you could do i don't think there's a whole lot of success to it mostly what we do is you know get up on a high ridge whether that's hiking or a road um, whatever we can do to get up high and just glass a vast amount of country because these deer like you know on the top of ridges and um, they don't move much especially in the heat so you, you want to be in the right spot of you know first light and last light for sure mm-hmm so what? So if you're if you're there and have an idea about and you see one, what's your advice, tips, and tactics for stalking in on one? Are you ambushing or are you trying to sneak in? You're definitely trying to sneak in. I feel like with any deer, um, we hunt blacktail deer, so they're super spooky, mostly nocturnal. Just like I feel like all deer have their their similarities. Mm-hmm. Um, these deer, I don't think are any any different than you know a mule deer or anything like that you know they don't bed out in the wide open they have a little bit more cover so it might be a little bit more difficult to hunt um but you know you got to have the wind you got to be sneaky you're not going to just walk up on one no way um they're they're definitely not dumb that's for sure occasionally you know you'll, you'll get deer in the ag fields and that's a different story i think that's kind of the same thing everywhere you know what i mean um deer on the hill and deer in the fields are different uh, but but generally yeah i mean they as long as you got the wind and you know you take your time you can get close enough for a shot yeah so how do you kind of coach your hunters i mean do you kind of go side by side with them or do you do you sit there and like say like here's a route you should try and get to them like how's that work for you yeah so i walk everybody in um like this upcoming archery season i'll, I'll be walking on every stock taking everybody in making sure you know they're going the right direction and ranging for them telling them you know where to shoot what to do when to draw everything so it'll be uh, a lot of sneaking on deer and hopefully you know the right opportunity arises and make it happen that's that's a whole different level of trying to sneak two people in into archery it is it is it is, but most people book a, a you know a guided hunt because you know they are say inexperienced or new to hunting or need that little help or advice or that push. Mm-hmm. So I I feel like it is more difficult, but I feel like it's better to have you know someone that knows what they're doing, has been there before, taking that person that maybe hasn't down the right path. So yeah. So how did what's your advice for for stalking? Are you like uh? boots or socks or what are you what kind of person are you depends on the wind if, if it's super windy which it gets super windy here on the coast you know you don't need to, you don't need to go down to your barefoot it's it's not going to make a difference your wind will will help your sound um get muffled so if it's if it's super calm you know you're gonna have to take three times as long to get there you're gonna have to get on your hands and knees take your boots off and you know play it smart and be on whatever good side of the wind you are and just take your time if you have time if it's really windy which is a blessing and a curse but you know usually allows you to get close i've had days where it's blowing 30 miles an hour and you can just walk right up on a buck 
especially if he can't see you in terms of elevation or, you know, whatever's in front of you for cover or anything like that, you can get pretty close. Now, when you're saying pretty close, I'm envisioning five yards. How close are you getting? Um, I I personally have shot bucks at uh, 12 to 60. So, <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty close to sneak into a bucket 12 yards on the foot. It does get close. Uh, and this, it's all weather dependent, you know, and if a deer's bedded or feeding or, you know, what's going on. So it's it's different every time. Yeah, that's for sure. So with the wind blowing like that, being coastal, I mean, is the wind pretty consistent or do you have to worry about stuff swirling through all like your little canyons and draws and stuff like that? So you definitely have to worry about it. I mean, usually there's a strong wind, uh, but sometimes it's kind of unique. You'll get a lull and then, you know, depending on where you're at, the wind will swirl and then you're busted. So um, sometimes you can't affect everything, but most of the time if a deer on a ridge or in a bull, you'll have a consistent wind where you can make a plan. Mm. Yeah, because that, I mean, that wind is just so, it's, sometimes you just wish you you could just say this day your wind's going to blow this direction, but then like, then it, right. I guess, I guess it wouldn't be any fun or the challenge wouldn't be there if the wind yeah, ver- worked with you. It's very rare that it, uh, it go, it, it'll go opposite directions based on the morning or the evening, mm-hmm. but it's very rare that it'll, like in the evening, it's always blowing the same way. In the morning, it's always blowing the same way. So it's pretty uh, pretty interesting the way it comes off the coast. It's pretty you can count on it to do the same thing every day. Hmm. Okay. So you mentioned about like driving around and spotting them. Are you guys doing you know on ATVs? You guys on vehicles? Or I guess it all depends. Yeah, side by side or a truck, so whatever. You know, depending on road condition and uh, you know how bad we want to mess up our trucks and stuff like that. You know, but yeah. Side by side gets everywhere. Truck gets most places. For deer, you can, you know, you don't need to get in that close typically, anyways. So a, a truck's not bad, especially because it's super quiet. Mm-hmm. So it's on these ranches. I mean, if you're hunting, you're hunting on all these. Are you hunting hogs too? Yes, every ranch that uh, we deer hunt, we hunt pigs on. Oh, how many ranches? Like, do you know about like roughly acres that you guys hunt between all your ranches? Yeah, so we hunt uh, about. 40,000 acres. Well, that's, yeah, that'll hold, that'll hold some animals. Yeah, definitely. And, and everything's different. You know, you might have 5,000 acres that doesn't hold pigs or, you know, certain things like that where you don't see a buck and, you know, every, everything's different habitat wise. Yeah. Yeah. It's just about what's going to hold it where. Right. Weird question. This is just random. Um, being hot out and stuff like that. Do you guys have like rattlesnakes or anything out there? It's been a weird year. It's been cool. Uh, but usually when it heats up, you'll, you'll see the snakes on the road or moving around. So they, uh, they definitely are starting to pop. But yeah, I mean, yeah. how big did they get out there? Um, I've seen them up to about five foot, I think myself. Yeah. That's about what they get, get to here. I and mean, we can get one over, I think big ones, if you can get one like 52, 54 inches, is considered big out here. Oh yeah. But yeah, I you know, typically haven't had any issue with them. I did, uh, I heard a story of a guy getting bit once and, he had to go get some anti-venom, but that I've only heard of one case in 20 years. So, you mm-hmm. know, there's plenty of them, but usually we get to them first. Yeah. Yeah, interesting. For sure. Yeah. Snakes are everywhere. People don't realize it. They're everywhere. Mm-hmm. It's funny when people say, have you ever seen one? A lot of people say, well, I'm not, I'm not looking for them. So you don't, which is true. Half right. time, if you're not looking for it, you're not going to see it. Right, Exactly. But, Good thing they got uh, alarms on them yeah, around here. The little do they, do they rattle a lot out there? Because uh, oh yeah, really, yep, big time. Uh, yeah, because out here in PA, sometimes they'll just lay there and be silent because they'll just be they might be like dormant, like I guess like laying, napping like in the sun on a rock, and they won't they won't uh, rattle or nothing. Yeah, yeah. No, typically if you see them, they're they're buzzing. So interesting. Cool. Um. As far as getting kind of back that little side story there about snakes, but back to whitetail, I mean, as, as far as stalking in on them and your hunt, are you, how do you do that? Are, do you have the hunter in front of you and are you kind of guiding them or is, are they like following you in? Usually they're behind me. Um, obviously, you know, safety concerns, you know, 
nothing in the chamber or for archery hunting, you know, an arrow's not knocked until we need to. And typically at that point, they'll be next to me. Um, and, uh, but I like walking, you know, um, it's kind of single file that way. If we are seen where it looks like one thing, you know, so that's kind of how I look at it, you know, and mm-hmm. people follow what I'm doing. You know, if I'm crouching, they'll crouch, you know, if I move left, they move left, I move right, they move right kind of thing. So I like being in front that way, uh, you know, they have an example to follow and it's pretty simple. Yeah. That's a good way to, a good way to put it. There's a lot of people surprising that they, if there's room to walk beside you, they'll walk beside you. I found right. But if right. you but if you put them in a position where they have to follow you, then they're gonna follow you. Yeah, and when they're next to me, they're they're out looking in front like I am, and they're not watching what I'm doing, cadence wise, or you know, just stalking. You know, and yeah. I might think a little bit different than them. I might know the deer better than them. I might know the terrain a little bit better. So I feel like it's always best if I'm in the lead. You know, especially uh, depending on experience of the hunter. Yeah, one of the big things I've always noticed is, like, say if you're approaching, if you're coming in, like, around a turn that's going to see an area where you might see something where, like, you're going to take a certain angle so you can kind of go in there and pan slowly where, like, your hunter will flare out really wide and, like, stick his head way out there, like, you're trying to shuffle him back. Like, no. Yeah. 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 it's just funny how it's like that's consistent among a lot of other people that, you, you know, that, that guy, they just want to be next to you and just kind of see things at the same time, which is fine in yeah. most instances. But like there's more times or not, just, I would say, just follow the guide, trust them. Yeah, exactly. You know, as, for, uh, as far as like other things that hunters and clients do or don't do, you know, that you've seen in your time, like what are the things that do you have anything that you've noticed that you have like constantly correct or things that they might bring from another habit that they've done hunting a different game. And you're just like, man, I wish they didn't do that all the time. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, everyone's a little quirky. Everyone's a little different, you know, a lot of, we see it all pig hunting, uh, you know, t- take out lawyers and we take out plumbers and electricians and we take out congressmen and we take out actors and race car drivers and you know everyone that comes in pig hunts is different we take out first-time hunters and people that have been doing it for 20 years uh i i don't think i've ever seen a bigger uh group of different individuals in the hunting world uh, it's it's pretty interesting uh, but what the biggest thing is and the biggest thing i've ever seen is there's a definite lack of knowing your weapons and knowing Mm -hmm. the ins and out of your equipment a lot of people have like the ski stuff or the sickest stuff and you know you got a nice rifle and you know which is great they are prepared equipment wise they have the right items they have all that stuff but the biggest thing that i see is that people don't know anything about that stuff they just have bought it they're excited for the hunt and that's great. That's why we're there to teach them, to help them so they can learn and figure everything out. But definitely safety. Safety is the biggest thing that I've seen that, you know, I wish people would spend more time on and think more about. You know, they're excited on a hunt. I get it. They want to focus on that. But definitely learning safety about a firearm or an arrow. Like I've seen so many people cut themselves on broadheads or, you know, people accidentally uh, blow it round off and stuff like that that is just uh, – you know, I wish people paid more attention to, you know, we always have a safety talk. We always go over everyone's weapon and go through and do as much as we can, but still without the uh, amount of experience or knowledge, there's only so much you can do. Yeah. And it's, I can agree with that 100%. Whereas a lot of times you'll get people that they get brought onto a hunt where they're, you know, a guest and they're like, I've never hunted before. You know, this guy just gave me this gun. We shot it in last week, and right. I don't know, Grandpa's like, gun like or something like that. Yeah, you're just like, okay, we just got to be extra safe with this guy, right? Know, and make sure that he and you know almost visibly see that his chamber is empty, and make sure he empties his rifle, right? Yeah, it's it's all kinds of like take it to the next level because if they, especially if it's their first time doing it, they're not in a way, even though they're adults, you got to like treat them like kids. In that sense. Yeah, absolutely. You got to treat everybody the same. Yeah. Definitely. I, I would actually say kids listen better because they have uh, 
nothing to go off of. You know, in, in California, you have to be 12 years old to hunt. And I've uh, <laughs> I've taken many young hunters on their first pig hunt or deer hunt or something like that. And yeah, they they listen so much better than their their parents. <laughs> they uh, you know they they trust you and they they listen to every word you say and they do everything right and safe and seems like uh having kind of like a fresh fresh mind really soaks it up well so it's pretty interesting yeah they don't have an ego exactly they're too young to have an ego yes yeah yeah that's so true in so many ways so talking about pigs what's it i've never hunted pigs at all and let alone in california but i know they're pretty much all across the united states but What's what's kind of what's your technique? Same thing, spot and stalk. Yeah, so most of the time it's spot and stalk. Uh, so summertime, they're typically hitting the uh, the hay fields that the that the cattlemen grow to feed their cattle in the winter. So there's a lot of barley kind of around the area that we hunt, and those pigs love that grain. So every day that we're hunting in the summertime, we're sitting on a trail, leaving that field or going to that field, or going to the water right off that field, or going to bed right off that field. So right now, you'll see more pigs than you will typically throughout the year because they're all kind of in one spot, uh, feeding on the same uh, same field or same area, you know. Uh, so it's pretty, it's pretty cool right now. The weather, sometimes it gets hot, but the hunting is the best right now. Mm-hmm. So that's cool. I was going to say, with just sitting there, are you sitting in a blind? Are you, like, baking in, like, an oven? No, or? you're still not. No, you still have to be spawn stock. And I mean, it's first thing in the morning. So I'd say typically right now it gets light about uh, 530. The hunt's over around six o'clock. And then in the <laughs> evening, it doesn't start till about 730 and it's dark somewhere after 830. So the last, the first hour and the last hour is really what you're doing. So a lot of downtime during the day this time of year. Yeah. So what do you do during that downtime? Oh, you know, we're shooting squirrels or, you know, playing with, uh, you know, sighting in people's rifles or, you know, everyone's got new gear they want to check out. So, you know, take a nap, go get lunch, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. So how many, how many pigs can you get a day? Is there a limit? Uh, you can get unlimited pigs in California, unlimited pig tags. Oh, okay. Yep. <laughs> They're actually, uh, they, so they just changed the law and I think it's going to be uh, put in place January, 2024. So right now you have to have a pig tag per pig per hunter uh, but in 2024 these hunters will just have to get uh pig validations so you get a validation like how you have like a like a turkey stamp or a duck stamp or a bird stamp kind of deal okay and you'll get a validation on your license and then you can hunt unlimited pigs without having to use tags hmm. so do you guys limit the number of pig hunters you have because i know pigs are such a nuisance to to the farmers but it's also in a way it's your livelihood yeah so so they they are and they aren't i mean it depends on the area if they're ripping up someone's lawn yeah that's going to be a problem Um, but we we typically try and manage the pigs because that's our livelihood um and i and we like seeing pigs you know we like going out and you know seeing 60 pigs in the morning come by us on the trail you know we want it to be good all the time Mm -hmm. so we definitely manage them yeah, like how big do they get? Uh, I have seen pigs up to 300 plus pounds. And I would say most of the pigs that, that we take are, you know, in that 140 to 180 range, typically. Wow, that's that's a, that's a, that's a lot of pig. Yeah, it's a lot of sausage. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what do the people do with it? Sausage, bacon, pork chop? Depends on the pig. Um, very rare to get uh, bacon on a wild pig. They have to be super fat. Um, this time of year, all the pigs are super healthy and fat because they're eating grain like a domestic pig would. So they're doing really well right now. Um, on a big boar, you know, the, the meat's a little tougher. A big old boar that's got scars and been fighting and looks all gnarly. Um, that's not going to taste as good as like a 100-pound sow. Uh, so, like, if I, if I take my bow out for a hunt, I'll typically shoot a sow just because the meat's better. And on a pig like that, you can do pork chops or, you know, a loin roast, stuff like that, just cuts and all that like you would a deer. Yeah, so, I mean, you mentioned archery. I mean, obviously, you shoot with a bow. Like, do you guys – can you guys use dogs? I doubt in California. Yeah, so you – I 
I think it's legal to still run dogs in California during the day to catch pigs. Um, we don't do that. We've never done that because what we've seen or heard in the past is that that really is hard on the pigs and it kind of pushes them out of the country. And like I said, we like seeing more pigs. Mm -hmm. We like more pigs being around on our place. So as many archery hunts as we can do, which is kind of gentle on the place or um, whatever we can do just to, just to see more pigs is better. I think so. We, we typically try and shoot boars over sows because those are your breeders. Obviously mm -hmm. those are your mamas. Um, doesn't always happen. Obviously, you're, you're pig hunting, you're going to shoot a pig. Uh, but that's just kind of how we look at it for management-wise. I have a dog. He's a Petterdale Terrier, and I use him if someone wounds a pig to find that pig. Okay. Doesn't always work out. Pigs are brushed, stuff like that. Depends on the injury. Um, but just, just dogs for blood tracking. Mm -hmm. So with archery and pigs, like, what do you recommend for, like, poundage or, like, broadheads i mean fixed first expandable there's always that argument i don't want to go down a rabbit hole in that but what have you seen yeah there? yeah so we we do not let anyone use uh, mechanical broadheads they just do not work on pigs not at all um fixed broadheads punch through their their armor on a big boar punches through the hide on anything um they just do so much better uh, these these pigs need holes to bleed. Uh, they do not bleed. They're so tough. Uh, so expandables, I've seen them, you know, hit the pig and bounce off essentially on a big boar. Mm. They just do not penetrate at all. So with with uh, being a fixed, are you like heavier grain? I mean, or, or like fast bows? I mean, there's not to go yeah, into this big argument about around a you know like a hundred grain broadhead is fine and up is fine. Um, if you're shooting. 50 60 pounds it's going to work you just have to put it in the in the right spot so those big boars they'll get armor on them that could be up to an inch and a half thick that is just built up cartilage and then you could punch it it feels like a brick wall like they're 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 tougher than anything they're tougher than elk i guarantee it there's there's nothing tougher than a big boar hog so if you're archery hunting them you almost got to slip it kind of under that armor or you got to be close enough to punch it through and the only thing that'll do that is a fixed blade broadhead now, what makes what builds it armor just like fighting and wrestling or or like yeah. So when they're in their bed, um, I think it's just natural, you know, to protect them from they do fight each other. Uh, but when they're in their bed, they'll they'll always kind of rub their sides and they'll just build up that cartilage. The older and older they get, huh? I didn't know that. Yeah. Interesting. So as far as like that placement you're saying to get behind that armor, are you always trying to shoot for like a quarter and away shot versus a broadside? A quarter and away shot is the best. Um, if they're broadside, there's like a little pocket right where their heart sits, maybe about the size of a fist. And uh, you can kind of slip in under their armor and shoot them right in the heart. Hmm. Yeah. So what do you, so how close can you typically get to these, 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 these pigs? It depends. So I like, uh, I like finding like a solo pig rather than a group. They always typically run in a group, but you'll see a solo boar here and there kind of scattered around. Okay. Uh, if the wind's good and the light is correct, they cannot hear very well. They cannot see very well. They smell better than anything. So if you got them beat in terms of wind, you can get really close to a pig. I've had guys shoot pigs from seven yards to 10 yards to 20 yards extremely consistently wow so you've never like run up and like stabbed one with a knife no no, no. <laughs> I, I would not try that they are mean they definitely uh, they definitely are mean they've been charged once or twice i was gonna say i was just gonna ask if you've been charged or see anybody you know get tore up by a pig I've seen dogs get tore up, you know, looking for pigs and stuff oh. like that. Uh, never a person. I've been ran over and trucked a couple times. Uh, you just got to be quick and kind of get out of the way. But uh, it happens for sure when you're in tight brush, and those pigs always go to the brush for cover. Yeah, so, like, when it charges you, you just kind of, like, you wait till the last minute and, like, oh, lay it like a bull or? Yeah, I've done that. Or, you know, you know, if you get a shot off in time to uh, to get it down or something like that, you know, you got to. I don't know if it's instinctual or you got to just think quick, but they're mean. You got to, you got to just get out of their way. Yeah. Climb a tree. Yeah. 
yeah, I've seen guys pinning trees before. That's for sure. Really, like the people climbing tree and does the does the pig stay around I've, waiting for I've it to come down? I've never seen it personally, but I've seen plenty of videos and know people in California that I've seen in trees with big boars right below them, like like you know, treed. So it's pretty interesting. Eventually, they'll you know give up and go away, but when, so they're pissed. They're pissed. Wow, yeah, that's crazy. So do you always like if you're archer hunting for them? Do you always like bring like a sidearm pistols backup? No, I don't. Um, you need copper ammo in California. That's really hard to find okay. with a pistol. It seems like, um, but it's not really worth it. I mean, if uh, it's not even really worth it to carry a sidearm, it seems like if you if you had a sidearm, the bullets are so small and the pigs are so tough. You don't you'd almost have to hit them in the head. So it's just it's good to have your rifle always. Okay. Oh, so you have a backup as a rifle. Yeah. What's that, what what size uh, rifle you like a like a thirty caliber or? Yeah, so most people you know will will have between two forty threes, two seventies, thirty odd sixes. A lot of six five Creedmoors, uh, newer six five PRCs and three hundreds and stuff like that. Pretty typical deer rounds, I'd say. Okay. Now, with uh with shooting, if you shoot him in the head, isn't there like? a very small area where you can shoot them in the head or else it just deflects off their, their skull. They, they are tough. Um, I've definitely seen them be shot in the head and keep on living. But no, if you, if you ear hole them or kind of center mass them, you'll, you'll take them out. Yeah. Okay. It's kind of hard to do if they're charging at you though. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't like when that happens. Uh, it is rare though that that happens. Yeah. So what's the the what's the biggest pig that you've got personally? So I've only shot two ever in my life. I shot one with my bow, and I've shot one with a rifle, and I got that one mounted. And I weighed that one, and that the reason I shot that one is because it was one of the biggest pigs I've ever seen, and that pig weighed three hundred and ten pounds. Wow! Gee. Yeah, it was a uh, it was a tank for sure. Yeah. So, like, what do you guys do with them? Do you like just load them up on? You know, on your side by side, and just haul them out, just like a deer. Yep, just like a deer. Wow, how big are their tusks? I'm gonna ask some details since I've never been out there. Yeah, it's different. Uh, it depends. You know, you'll. It's weird. I've seen uh, little boars with big teeth and big boars with no teeth, or a lot of times <laughs> they'll break their teeth. You know, on chewing on rocks or fighting or stuff like that, they'll break their teeth. Um, but you know, I've seen. I've seen pigs with teeth up to four inches on their bottoms and big upper tusks as well that curl around their lips. So they do get pretty large and scary, look like knives. It's crazy, crazy. So I guess kind of go back to, to blacktails for a minute and, and gear and archery. You Kind of the same thing, same recommendation? Are you fixed blade versus mechanical? I I like a fixed blade over mechanical in all situations, uh, but those mechanical broadheads they do fine on deer. Yeah. yeah, so especially if your your shots are, I mean, sixty yards on a blacktail. I mean that that's a pretty good that's a pretty good shot. Yeah, exactly. I uh, I typically like getting closer. Um, they're not huge deer, you know. They they well they weigh you know maybe one hundred twenty pounds. Um, would be a big body deer. Uh, but yeah, they got a small window and you know, they're smart. So you, you got to hit them right for sure. Yeah. So what, what's, uh, what's, what would say a big measurement wise, like inches wise for a buck out there? I mean, it's tough to say because being in velvet hunting them in, in July, I mean, you're like kind of cutting them off at the knees. Yeah. I want to say a book blacktail is 95 inches. I'm, I'm probably wrong on that. Maybe it's 85. Um, I, I'm pretty sure it's less than a hundred for sure. Mm-hmm. Very rare to kill a buck over a hundred just because they don't put points on. They don't have super long tines. Uh, we kind of, we look at them differently. So the way we judge them is width plus heights plus points. So we look at, you know, how wide is a buck? How tall is a buck? Typically um, a trophy buck would be 20 inches or wider and, you know, say 14 inches or taller in height. Okay. Yeah. We kill uh, a lot of fork and horns. You know, it's predominant gene. Um, some four by fours, but usually they're crabby. You know, kind of um, just not a lot of points. So they'll, they'll have eye guards for sure. You know, maybe one or two inches long. But yeah, it's a uh, it's a bit different. You know, it's uh, 
they're not huge deer by any means. They're they're definitely uh, pretty spooky though, and I, I think they're really fun to hunt. Yeah, I'm definitely. My interest is peaked simply because you're, it's something you can hunt during the summer. Yeah, exactly, and that's a big draw for a lot of people. You know, is that our season starts in July, mm-hmm. so they kind of come out and get their hunting done before you know the fall even starts. So it's pretty interesting. Yeah, get get reps in, get practice on something live. Reps in the red zone. Yeah. I was I was preach. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And you know they'll come and arrow a couple of pigs too, and you know they'll they'll empty their quiver and come back with some game, and they're tuned up for their mule deer hunt or their elk hunt or whatever else they got going on that fall. Yeah, yeah, good test, good test for sure. Oh yeah. Um. So kind of, we, we started talking about turkeys at the beginning. I kind of want to circle back to that. What's uh, yeah. what's your kind of technique and, and your advice for chasing turkeys out there? Yeah, so around here, I typically hunt them off the roost and get as close as I can um, without being too close. You know, not sitting right under the tree, but, you know, typically within 100 yards of it if I can. Um, and, and everything is set up. You know, your, your decoy has got to be right and... Uh, you're, you're calling us to be on cadence and just kind of know what you're doing in the situation. You know, to, everything's different. Sometimes they fly down and come right to you and you don't have to do anything. And sometimes they go the opposite way and then you got to work really hard for it. So it's different every time. Um, I would say off the roost, I've had the most success. Um, just traditional turkey hunting. Kind of later in the evening, it seems like the the Rio Grands they kind of float around, and those toms after they bred they'll float around. So, you know, anywhere between noon and before uh, hunting time ends. So in California, you can't hunt turkeys after five p.m. Okay. So whether it's dark or not doesn't matter. Um, you can't hunt them after five p.m. So typically, like anywhere between that that midday to later in the evening time, uh, you can kind of catch toms floating and strike up a gobble and then you have to be quick and set up fast and if you if you can um you know get in somewhere because they might be coming at you fast so it's different every time yeah i was like do they travel like like being yeah they do big they do big loops okay. so they'll come off the tree they'll breathe they'll you know they'll gobble and strut and do all that then they'll kind of split off once they bred and they'll do a big loop i feel like and they're always looking you know, for that next hand, they're doing that big loop. And they, they seem like they do that same circle every day. At the same time, you'll see them in the same spot. Hmm. Easy way to so pattern a little them, bit. Yeah, it makes them patternable, you know, see them in the same. Like, they're not in this meadow, they'll be in that meadow or that cut or that kind of thing. Um, they can only be so many places, it seems like. Yeah, so as far as, like, your calling strategy, I mean, you're saying, you know, cadence and, and whatnot, but... Do you call heavy? Do you call a lot? Do you call like not much? Yeah, so it's it it depends on the situation. Like if the birds come down and the hens are super vocal, I'll try and cut them off. So if a hen's yelping, I'll try and yelp right on top of her. I'll try and get her to come in because he'll she'll bring those toms in. Um, if the birds are gobbling a ton, I'll just let them know where I'm kind of at. Um, and then if it depends, you know, the, you, a lot of times you can't see what's happening. You know, because it's around the corner or through some trees or something like that. So you kind of got to really listen, you know, and see what those those hens are doing and what those toms are doing. If they're gobbling a lot, you know, you could call a little more and see how they respond and bring them in, kind of thing. You know, it's a it's a chess match. Yeah, yeah, for sure. That's the crazy thing about turkeys. How you just got to be constantly overthinking and doing other things. Right. I I would say that uh, less is more always in turkey hunting, though. Definitely. Yeah, less is yeah. That's a good way to put it. Less is more. Yeah, if you if you think you're calling too much, you definitely are. If you think you're not calling enough, you probably are. Yeah. So what's your what's your decoy strategy? You mentioned you said you use decoys. Yeah. So early season, I'll run a uh, a hen with a Jake decoy, um, posturing, um, or I'll run a, a Jake with a with a breeder hen. Um, and I run Dave Smith decoys. They just they look so good. Um, they look like real turkeys. So oh, yeah. I think the detail them are great. Yeah, it's insane. Um, yeah, I'll do that, and uh, I'll kind of set them a couple feet apart. You know, just enough to where the turkeys feel like they can move. You know, like they have space in there. Um, I feel like I've I've seen it where I've I've put them kind of on top of each other, 
it kind of keeps the birds hanging up. So just kind of got to play the room, you know, and as the season goes on, those birds get up get beat up more and they get more, uh, more fights every day. So it seems like later in the season, they, they'll kind of shy away from a, a Jake decoy. So I might take that out or only run it, you know, uh, in the morning and see how they respond. And then later in the season, I'll typically just run a single hen or a hen and a breeding hen. Mm. So no Jake at all. No Jake at all later in the season. seems like those toms start to shy away from it. Yeah, they get tired. They're like, I'm tired of fighting. <laughs> yeah, they're they're tired of getting their ass kicked. Those Jakes will, will kick those toms' ass for sure. I've seen that plenty. Yeah, that's funny. But, yeah, it's funny how whether you're – the stories I've heard about hunting Rios versus, you know, Merriam's and the you know, yeah. and it's, it's, Turkeys, it's just like we're saying about deer. Like deer kind of – Focus generally the same, just like turkeys are generally the same. Right. And yeah. uh, there's always little things about for your decoys versus your your calling. Do you gobble call at all? There's a question. I don't. No, I do not. I, I have one. I have a Jake gobble call. Uh, but no, I don't. I don't think I've uh, haven't haven't had to resort to that yet. Hmm. Yeah, it's one of those calls that it's like we'll either bring them in or make them turn and go the other way. Right, exactly. Yeah. As far as say some other gears, we're kind of talking in gear. Like, what kind of glass are you running? Like, what's your strategy for glassing up deer? Are you just like, sitting on ridges, spotter scope, binos. Like, what kind of what do you do? Yeah, all of that. So I uh, I run a Swarovski uh, scope and binos. Um, I got the Dental Pure Twelves, and it's it's mostly big country that we're hunting for deer. So definitely on a tripod, you know, sitting down, glassing as much as you can, you know, covering just every little cut, ridge, brush batch, everything you can. <clears throat> kind of looking for that bedded buck or, you know, antlers sticking up or deer coming over, feeding and all that. So big glass and big country and it's always windy. So you need a tripod and you just got to be in the right spot. Yeah, I was going to say with the wind and that big glass zooming in, I mean – do you like do you like carrying like a heavy tripod or you carry like a like a carbon fiber and like add weight to it? I carry both. So I I carry a uh I got a light tripod and I got a big heavy tripod. I got a big heavy tripod for my scope. Mm-hmm. Um just because when you find a deer you want to be able to, you know, knock that that movement out. So I'll do that and then I got a little tripod that I that I can put my scope on and uh, but with that little tripod, I can throw it on a backpack and, you know, hike up to a knob or something like that. And, you know, the, the big heavy one's better for the wind, but, you know, you can't always lump that thing around the hill. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What What about boots? What, what keeps your feet comfortable throughout the day? Um, I have tried them all, and I always come back to the Krispies. Those, uh, those got to be the most comfortable and waterproof and just everything about them. I tend to like. Yeah, what what model crispy? I have the guide, the uh, guide. GTXs. Yeah, All right. yeah. I've been I've been looking about buying a pair of crispies, and that's the model that I've been kind of leaning towards. Yeah, I think they're perfect. If they were a little less tall, um, that would be great. But I think they're almost perfect. Yeah, I don't mind the the the, the tallness of them because I kind of I've been having some ankle issues here lately, and yeah, so that. It's stiff, so they'll hold you there. Yeah, so I, I've been looking for something with a little bit taller, stiff, stiffer ankle support. Yeah, for sure. I'll get you there. Yeah. What about uh, your camo strategy? Yeah, so typically for pigs, I won't wear camo, but archery deer season, I'll go full camo. Um, I own Kuyu stuff. I think uh, whatever breaks you up works good. I'm not going to say that anything's better than, than anything else, uh, but yeah, just, uh, you know, whatever breaks up your appearance, you know, a, with a hoodie or something like that, I think helps a lot. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, yeah. it's it's comfort is what it comes down to. Right. Yeah, I mean, camo camo is what it does. It's all grayscale and breaks up your pattern. But as long as you're comfortable wearing it and it keeps you warm, keeps you dry when it needs to. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. Exactly. Yeah, I, I think when it comes to stocking on a deer, that's, you know, about 5% of it, so. Yeah, I typically ask people, like, how do you stay warm on a hunt to last all day? So I'm going to ask you the opposite. How do you stay cool all day? Um, 
Well, you know, what I do like about all these companies now coming out with camo is they have they have a hot weather uh, you know, lineup. They have this little, you know, lightweight hoodies. It's kinda like those under armor shirts, you know, that kind of squeezes your skin, those things, you know, to stay out of the sun and a hoodie that's not heavy or anything like that. And then everyone's got lightweight pants now, so the gear's out there, you know, at some point the sun's gonna do what it's gonna do and it's gonna be hot, but you know, all that stuff helps. Yeah, I mean, there's all those, um, uh, what is it, SPF, you know, kind yeah, of yeah, stuff yeah. that protects you from you the sun and, and keeps that. you cool and right. and very lightweight. And right. Yeah, it's just amazing what how clothing technology has come along in the last 20 years. Yeah, all that stuff helps. I mean, it, uh, it's definitely, you know, worth the money. Yeah. The... Um, any other kind of gear stuff that is like a staple in your pack or things that you've you have used or you don't use anymore? Um, well, always a pocket knife, gotta have that. Um, game bags, depending on where an animal is, you know, you're gonna have to get it out. Uh, typically, we can always drag something uh, to a road or or get it out somehow. Um, but game bags, you know, a, a sharp pocket knife. Uh, water for sure you always need water that's a big thing that you know around here it gets so hot you definitely need water all the time so gotta have gotta have everything figured out there i think a little med kit is what everyone needs in their pack that's a big thing people lack on but definitely safety matters especially when you got guns and knives around yeah for sure yeah just something even something small whether it's just even just something for a quick tourniquet or you know just a couple galls with some tape yeah, just something. Like I had a guy the other day he cut his thumb on a safety. He had to leave and go get stitches. So mm. it uh, it can happen fast if you don't expect it. Yeah. Are you guys like close enough to civilization that you guys aren't worrying about like carrying like you know the any kind of like satellite spot receivers or anything like that? No, we're always close enough. You know, I'd say the uh, the furthest we're out there is you know, 45 minutes from town. So I feel like we're uh, pretty close. So you yeah. guys typically always have like cell signal. You don't have to worry about like Garmin's and in, in reaches and things like that. Uh, no, we'll definitely lose signal, but not for long enough to where you would need a, a sat phone or something like that. Mm, that's good. It's always a good, yeah. something good in the back of your mind. Oh yeah. Man. Um, as far as, you know, guiding and things like that, it, that you've been through the years here has, guiding changed you in a way as an outdoorsman uh yeah i would say definitely i i take a lot more care in the uh, cleanliness of my meat care and just doing everything the right way just because i i do it so often i feel like i really try and perfect um what i can be and what i can do to make everything go right especially when you're taking the life of an animal so, yeah so what? Honoring that and taking care of the meat and keeping everything as clean as possible and, you know, being, you know, as ethical as you can. As far as your meat care, once you kill an animal, what what are you doing differently now? What are you doing better? Uh, just, you know, learning how to skin an animal. You know, you, you don't do it, you know, growing up as much as you think and mm -hmm. you think you know what you're doing, but, you know, you learn a lot more the more you do it. So definitely, uh, you know, like keeping hair off of things and, you know, gutting an animal you know cleanly and all that so just keeping everything as clean as possible yeah it's definitely uh definitely an art for sure absolutely but yeah um as far as kind of wrapping things up here a little bit as far as being a guide yourself and talking to other people what advice would you give somebody who wanted to become a guide um, call everyone you can that knows what they're doing and try and, uh, see if they'll let you shadow them. The biggest thing that I think that helped me is being behind the mentors that I have and watching how they operate and watching what they do and just soaking that all in, um, finding the right person that knows what they're doing and just taking everything in that you can, putting that in your brain and doing everything the right way. Yeah, being a sponge. It's, I always yep. say it's the best thing to do is just always always learn. Never stop learning. Exactly. Yeah. 
Well, Joseph, man, this has been great. Learned a lot. You taught me a lot about California that I didn't know about. Um, definitely. Definitely. Uh, thanks for coming on the show. It's been uh, wonderful, and I hope you got uh, good luck here coming up here, being July. You get some good bucks. I'm looking forward to seeing them. Yep, season starts uh, next Saturday, so it should be fun. Yeah, so to wrap things up, what's the best way if people want to check out and, and follow you along, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff? Yeah, so my Instagram is, uh, I think it's Joseph underscore Souza. That might be wrong, but it's something close to that. It'll come up. Um, and then, yeah, people can reach out to me or whatever, but I don't have a big following or anything like that. Um, but just trying to, you know, grow as much as I can, um, hunt pigs, uh, with, with, uh, Santa Inez Valley guided hunts and that, uh, we have a dot com S Y Valley guided hunts.com and an Instagram, uh, Santa Inez Valley guided hunts. Okay. So you can check us out there and should, uh, should be able to get a hold of us. Cool. Well, uh, it's been great, man. Thanks for coming on the show. Awesome. Thank you.